Father, we come here in the name of Jesus. Father, we say thank you for this day. Thank you for this uh, anointing day that you have brought forth for us, Father. Father, I pray that you continue to anoint us, to glorify you in all that we do and all that we say, Father. Father, as you bring forth your word today, Father, I pray that you just move me aside, Father. Holy Spirit, have your way. Bring forth the word that you want spoken to your people. Father, touch our hearts and our minds. May we receive what it is that you are saying. We thank you. We glorify you in advance, Father, for everything. Honor you in everything, in every way. It's in the name of Jesus we pray and the church said, Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Living by the Spirit. Living by the Spirit. Galatians 3.3. 3. Galatians 3.3. 3. Paul writes this letter to the Galatian Christians who believe in Christ. They believe in Christ, but for some reason they feel the need to to go back to being like the Jewish people of that time. That in order to be saved, you need the law. In order to be saved, you need yourself. By your own self-efforts. They heard the message of the gospel. They heard the message of salvation. But as many of us Christians today, they have turned their back on the truth. They have turned their back on the truth. Many won't even say it. But our actions and our absence speak volumes. Speak volumes. Paul says, are you so foolish? At the beginning, by the means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Let that resonate for a moment. Are you so foolish at the beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? In other words, church, how did we get saved? How did you get saved? Did you get saved and receive the Holy Spirit by any other means other than faith in Jesus Christ? No. No. See, we are justified by Christ and we are sanctified by the power of the Spirit. But many Christians, as Paul points out, must be under the misunderstanding that we can be sanctified by the works of our flesh, by our own human efforts, apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. Because what is the purpose, church? What is the purpose of returning to live by our sinful nature? What is the purpose when we were taught that 
Living by our sinful nature leads to spiritual death. What will be the purpose of returning, church? That we know that through Christ we receive the spirit that leads to eternal life and spiritual life. So are we so foolish? Are we so foolish to go back to living by means of the flesh? Our works in the flesh cannot sanctify us no more than it could justify us, church. The flesh is no good. So why would we want to go back? Why would we want to go back? Living by the Spirit. Living by the Spirit. We live by the Spirit. What are we saying? What are we saying? We are people of the Spirit. We are declaring that we are people of the Spirit. Am I correct? We are declaring that we are people of the Spirit. And if we are people of the Spirit, we must live accordingly to the Spirit in every aspect of our lives. Especially in our relationships with others, church. Especially. No matter how they act, no matter how they treat us, we are still people of the Spirit. When we are home with our families, we are still people of the Spirit. When we're hanging out with our friends, our buddies, our gals, we are still people of the Spirit. When we're on our jobs or anywhere, that there may, may be people who can care less about Jesus, we must remain people of the Spirit. And we must act accordingly to the Spirit. We must always display those fruits of the Spirit, church. We must always remain people of the Spirit, no matter what, no matter what. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is the primary person for our justification. Jesus Christ is the primary person for our justification. Romans tells us that we are justified through our faith in Christ. Meaning, we have been forgiven and actually made righteous in our living. You are justified by your faith in Christ. You are a righteous person by your faith in Christ. Justified. Justified. We have been justified by our faith, not by any works of our own effort, church. Not by any works of our own effort. We cannot justify or even sanctify ourselves. We cannot. Now the Holy Spirit is the primary person behind our sanctification, church. Sanctification is the deliverance from the power of sin. And it is the continuing process of us believers becoming more Christ-like. It's a process only accomplished by the Holy Spirit's presence and work 
within each of us. Only. Sanctification requires where it represents our victory over our sinful nature. It represents our victory over worldly temptations. And it represents our victory over Satan himself. And if we continue living in our faith, living by the Spirit, the end result, the end result will be found in the image of Christ. That will be us. That is our end result. That is our end result. Galatians 5, 22, 25. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus has nailed the passions and the desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Again, since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. We are people of the Spirit, right? So let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. We were all born dead in our sin. We were born spiritually alive, physically alive, but spiritually dead. Dead in our trespass, dead in our sin. And before we were saved, we were motivated, motivated by our sinful nature and by our ungodliness. That's what motivated us. Before we were saved, we were motivated by our ungodliness. Motivated to do evil instead of what's right. Motivated. And even if we did do good deeds, we didn't do them for the honor of God. And God saw them as what? Filthy rags. Filthy rags. But the moment we were born again, we were given life. We were given spiritual life, church, spiritual life. We were made alive by the Spirit of God and given new life in Christ because we were born into a new creation in the Spirit, in the Spirit, church. So how do we follow the, lead, the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives? First, we do it by faith. We do it by faith, church. We were saved by faith, and we are to live the rest of our lives by faith. By faith. We pray by faith to live by faith, church. To live by the Spirit is to live by faith. To trust God in all things. To trust God in all things. To keep God's word. To depend on him in every aspect of our lives, not depending on ourselves, our own abilities. We have a choice. 
We have a choice to allow our old sinful nature to dictate what we do and how we live in our Christian lives. Or we can allow the Spirit of God to lead us, to guide us. We can be committed to following the lead of the Holy Spirit. We have a choice. We have a choice. Galatians 2, 19, 20. For through the law I died to the law so that I might live for God. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. He lives in you. You have been crucified. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Replace that me with you, yourself. If we have true faith in Christ, we should consider ourselves united with Christ in his death and his resurrection, church. We are to be worthy of that gospel. We are to live worthy of that gospel. Of that gospel. Worthy of the gospel. United with Christ in his death and in his resurrection. We are joined together forever by the power of the Holy Spirit. That is our faith. That is our faith. Let us not be foolish. Let us not be foolish. Ephesians 4, 1, 3. As a prisoner of the Lord, Paul speaks. Then I urge you, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. In Christ, we have different gifts. We have different ministries. We have different places of worship, of service. But we only have one calling. One calling, church. To be holy and blameless before God. To be holy and blameless before God and to become conformed to the image of his son. One calling. When a person joins an organization, they are obligated, they obligate themselves to the rules, the regulations, and the purposes of that group, that organization. We accept their goals, their standards as our standards. Just like as a citizen of the United States, we are obligated, obligated to live by the rules, by the laws of the United States. We, we own our jobs as employees. We are obligated to live and work by the rules, 
by the regulations, by the standards of that company. When someone joins a sports team, he or she is obligated by the rules of that coach and by the standards of the rules of that sport. When we received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we became citizens of his kingdom. We became members of his family. And so along with those wonderful blessings, those wonderful privileges, we also receive obligations. We also have obligations, church. The Lord expects us to live as new people. The Lord expects us to live as new people. We must live as a new person, church. A new person. If we are still living in our old ways of life before Christ, what's the point? If we are still active in all the old things that doesn't glorify God, even though we're in Christ, what's the point? If we are still uh, expressing those foul words coming out of our mouth, what is the point? If we're not showing people love, what's the point? What is the point? If there is no sacrifice for Jesus Christ, what are we doing? What are we doing? If we as Christians have never made a sacrifice for Christ and we continue on in our living of life without a sacrifice, we have given up nothing. We have changed nothing for Jesus Christ. What are we doing? You're living for self. You're living for self and not the Lord. Let's not fool ourselves. Let's not deceive ourselves. That is not living for the Lord. The Lord requires sacrifice, church. Requires sacrifice. But we sometimes continue in our old way of living, not giving up anything. When the Spirit convicts us to do so, we still don't. Have we taken grace for granted? No sacrifice. Live as a new person. We were formerly children of darkness, but now we are children of light in the Lord. In the Lord. So as we live as children of the light, we are to live by the Spirit, by the Spirit that transforms us into that new person in Christ. All by the Spirit. When we believed and confessed Christ as our Lord and Savior, we were born again, and that's when that transformation should take place in your life. That is the beginning of that transformation. We accept Christ to be changed, 
not to stay the same, church. Not to stay the same. And at that new birth, we became a new creature. A new creature. I'm not telling you that. That's the word of God. That's the word of God. Do you know that you are a new creature in Christ? You have to know that so you can act accordingly. You cannot be the same. We cannot be the same and glorify God. The old things has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That should be new in you, in me, new, no old, new, new church. The Lord expects more. The Lord expects us to act like new, act like the new person we are in Christ. He expects that. He expects that from each and every one of us to act like the new person that we signed up for in Christ. The old is gone. We need to see signs of new. We need to show the world the new you. We can't fit in anymore, church. We can't compromise anymore. Everything is at stake. It's not just for you, it's for your neighbor. It's for your children, your grandchildren, your friends. They need to see Christ in us as new people. If you ever heard those words, I'm proud of the person you have become, that means change took place in your life. And you ought to thank God for that and continue Continue in that living. Whatever it was, whatever it was, someone noticed it. And you're glorifying God in it. It's a beautiful thing. The Lord expects us to act like the new person we have become in Jesus Christ. He expects his standards to be our standards. He expects his purposes to be our purposes. He expects his nature to be our nature, church. Our Christian life is simply the process of becoming who we are. Who we are. God expects conformity within the church, within the body of Christ. God expects conformity, conformity to his family, to his family, for the kingdom of God. You must conform to the nature of God if you want to enter the kingdom of God. No outsiders are welcome. No outsiders will be welcome in heaven. You must conform to the nature of God if you want to go to the kingdom of God. Don't misuse grace. Yes, he's a forgiven God. But we don't know everything. We do not know everything. We don't. We don't. God expects conformity, church. 
Ephesians 4, 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their thinking, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. That's what it is. The hardening of the hearts of some Christians. That's what it is. That's the root of the problem, the heart. The heart. Because we are called to salvation, unified in the body of Christ. We are gifted by the Holy Spirit. We should no longer live as Gentiles do. No longer. We cannot accomplish the glorious works of Christ by continuing to live as the world lives. We can't. If that is your goal, to accomplish the works of Christ, you can no longer live as the world lives. You can no longer live as you used to live. Those are not um, legalistic rules. Those are rules from the heart. If you love the Lord, you will do so. You will do so. Check your love radar. Check your love radar. Check your heart radar. How much do you love the Lord? How much do you love the Lord? Ephesians 4.19, continue. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. Because those that live for the world live by their sinful nature, not by the spirit. They have no conscience. We were there. I was there. I remember having no conscience. Their conscience is dead. I remember my conscience being dead. Having to been living in sin so long that you don't care what's right. Right don't even matter to you. When your conscience about God is gone. When you're living for the world. You have no concerns about what is right. Your only concern is self, is self. And when that happens, we're going to indulge in every kind of impurity because we are full of the flesh and we're full of greed. That's what happens. That's the end result of that, 20 and 22. However... That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and you were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. That is not how you were taught. But you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful Desires. That's how we were taught as Christians. To put off that old man, that old woman. 
When we were saved, we received a new wardrobe. But we must take off the old clothes and then put the new ones on. But we have a lot of people still wearing our own wardrobe. We won't throw it out. We keep it in the closet. Because we hear the calls of the flesh and one day might want to return. So we go in the closet, go in our drawers, and put on the old wardrobe. Y'all know sometimes we dress how we what? Feel. We dress how we feel. We put on something that represents our attitude, our, char our character. And if we're honest, and if we're honest, a lot of times we do that on purpose. On purpose. We dress a certain way because we want our, our outfits to match our attitude and our character. Even if it's for that day, we do it. We do it. When I was living for the world, when I wanted to turn it up a notch, I would turn my hat to the back. And I did it on purpose. And everybody knew what time it was. It meant anything goes. Anything goes. It was foolish. It was foolish. But I was living by my sinful nature. So it was great. I had fun. It's foolish now that I know the truth. Now that I know the truth. So even though we say you can't judge a book by its cover, sometimes you can, right? Sometimes you can. So when God wants to make our inside clean, church, we should want to have our outside to match. That's one thing we have gotten away from. When God cleans us up, he wants us to be clean all the way. All the way, church. Why do we desire to go looking like the world once he cleans us up? There's a lot of ways that we are called to be set apart. Now, it's not legalistic or, or following rules or laws. You are a cleaned up person, a new creature in Christ Jesus. But you're still looking like the world. Now, no offense to the world, but there has to be a separation. We was once there. Show yourself to be changed. Show yourself to be of the Lord. Don't fit in. Because when you fit in, they're going to assume you are one of them. They're going to treat you just like one of them. They're not going to respect you like the Lord's people. And can you blame them? You're trying to fit in with them. Can you blame them? 
God wants to make us all clean, inside and outside. Ephesians 4, 23, 24. To be made new in the attitude of your minds. See, when your mind is made new, you want a new wardrobe to go with it, right? When you're feeling fresh and fine, you want to look fresh and fine, right? All right. To be made new in your attitude of your minds and to put on the new self. Created, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. That is a goal. God wants us to conform to who we are. It's not forced legalistic conformity to rules or regulations. It's inner conformity to holiness, to love, and to the will of the Father. That's the conformity he wants from us, church. He wants us to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Conduct ourselves in a, in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Someone who died for you. Who gave his life for you. Someone who gave up his wardrobe for you. Gave it up. Gave it up. His new wardrobe consists of blood. Blood. For you and I. Ridicule. Punch, slap, beat, and spit on. For you and I. He took on that wardrobe for us. So that we can live in righteousness. And holiness. And be blameless before God. That has to be a personal responsibility for each of us. Personal. You have to take that personal because he did it for each one of us individually. You have to, church. You have to. He wants us to conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. In one mind. One mind, church. In one body and one spirit. One spirit. We must live in the newness of life, church. We must live in that newness of life as that new person. Our new life in Christ, the life we were created to live before the fall of man, before sin and death ever entered the world. We were created to live like this in Christ. Being restored to God's original intent. That is what God wants. To live free from the curse. Live free from the curse, but full of supernatural power and blessings. Full. Living a life connected to God by the Spirit of God. God has freed us from the curse. If any of you, when you read the Bible, read about the curse. The curse that you are free from. 
that we take so much granted. And he freed us. Freed us. But yet we act foolish and we want to return to be cursed. To be cursed. Romans 6, 4. We were buried therefore by him by baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. Life, new life in the spirit. Baptism in water for us as Christians is a symbol of our identification with Jesus. Baptism means being immersed, being put completely under the water, symbolizing a spiritual cleansing, church. It's like being dipped in the blood of Jesus and coming out white as snow. An outward physical act that represents an inner spiritual reality of new life. Don't take it for granted. So as Christ rose from the dead, we who follow him have the power to live new lives. You have the power to live your new life, church. You must want it. We must want it. We must seek it with everything we got. Living in the spirit also means living in the truth. We must live in the truth in every area of our lives. The truth in every area of our lives. In every relationship in our lives. Because we represent the truth. We as Christians represent the truth. And when we encounter people, they expect the truth from us. You represent the truth. We as believers represent the one who is truth. And the one that has been placed in us is the spirit of truth. Which also convicts us of truth. If you are a Christian believer, it should be hard for you to live a life of lies. When you have the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth within you. It should be extremely hard to do. Now we can do it because we can grieve him. But man, but man, he's not going to give up. So in instead of being truth, living truth, you want to go through that struggle, that battle within your heart and within your mind to live a lie? Putting yourself through that torture because you don't want to conform to the ways of God. He convicts us of truth because he convicts us of what's wrong. What's wrong? Even when we don't know what's wrong, he tells us what's wrong. Because sometimes we are blind to the things that's not true and what's wrong. 
But that's why we have the Spirit to reveal those things to us. So sometimes pause and allow the Spirit to speak to you before you move forward in anything in your life because he speaks the truth. He will guide you into all truth. We can't guide ourselves into all truth, church. We could be geniuses or whatever. We cannot guide ourselves into all truth. We can't do it. That's relying on ourselves, basically, which is a sin against God. We're idolizing ourselves to God. We're saying, God, I don't need you. I got it. I got it. I'm the man here. I'm the woman here. I got it. You're saying you know it all. I know it all. Idolizing ourselves, which is a sin. Depend on God, church. Depend on the Lord. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. The truth indwells us as believers. The truth blesses us as believers. The truth unites us as believers. Believers from all ages and all places form the body of Christ. Form the body of Christ to be taught and guided in the truth. We are here because we're tired of the lies of the world. We're not united by language. We're not united by skin color. We're not united by our hobbies. And we're not even united by our gifts. But we're united by knowing, believing, and living the same truth. The same truth. Which is in our Bibles. Same truth about God and his kingdom. That's what unites us. That's what unites us. That's what makes us brothers and sisters. That truth of the gospel, the truth of God's word. That's what should unite us to walk through those doors. That's what should bring us in the house of the Lord. We don't have nothing else in common. We have that in common, and that's what brings us together. Together. How amazing is that? That is our foundation that we build our lives on, church. There should be no other foundation in our Christian life. To live in the truth, we must first know the truth. The foundation of the unity of the church is God's word. The foundation of the unity of the church is God's word, church. But many believe there's no absolute truth. Many believe there's no religious truth. But we, but we as believers, we know without a doubt that there is truth. There is divine truth. We know that. We know that. We must commit ourselves to that truth, church. John 16, 12, 13. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear, Jesus says. 
But when the spirit, when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. We can't go wrong with the truth. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Make you free. The word of God reveals truth to us. And we are able to understand and receive that truth by the spirit of truth within us. And by believing that truth, we are set free, church. You are set free by believing the truth of God's word. You're free from the lies of this world, free from the lies of Satan. You're free from the stronghold of your sinful nature. It's still there, but you have power. You have dominance over it. In the name of Jesus, you can live free. Free in the spirit of God. Free in the spirit of God. Our sinful nature tries to hinder us. That other man within you tries to hinder you from living in the truth of the spirit. Don't let them, church. Don't let them. 2 Timothy 2.15 do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. No need to be ashamed when you're sharing the word of God because you're sharing the word of truth. No need to be ashamed when you're living by the word of God because you're living by the truth, church. No need to be ashamed. No need to be ashamed. No need to be ashamed when you're living by the Spirit. Because you're living by the Spirit that leads you into all truth. No need to be ashamed. But we act ashamed when we don't share the gospel. When we don't share Jesus with others. We act like we're ashamed of it. The time is now, church. The truth of God's word is to be lived as well as believed. Don't ever be ashamed of living in obedience to God's word. We should live in obedience. We should live in obedience, living in the spirit, living in obedience. Just as we started, Galatians 5.22 through 25, living in obedience. But the Holy Spirit produces these kinds of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus has nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. That's obedience. We are called to live in the obedience of the spirit, the one that lives within us, church. 
If we don't, we cannot display any of these fruits of the Spirit. You will display uh, hatred instead of love. You will allow those things to come out of you that are not of the Spirit when you're living in disobedience. See, I can't give you no excuse because God hasn't given me an excuse, church. We must live by the word of God. I remember I was, was no way near living by the word of God. But now that I know the truth, there's no way I'm turning back. There's no way. And I just don't want this for myself. I want it for you. I want it for your family, your children, your grandchildren. I want you to be changed people. I want you to be transformed Christians. Transformed to be more like Christ. I want people to see Christ in you. See, the reason why we are so attacked, if you are so attacked and you feel so attacked by the devil, it's because the truth lives in you. And if you live in obedience to the Spirit and you share that truth and you teach that truth, then the devil will be defeated. So his key is to keep your mouth closed, to have you not to put on that new wardrobe, to join your new family. He wants you to stay blended in with his family. And keep your mouth closed. And keep you under attack. Keep you in oppression. Keep you slavery. In slavery to that yoke. The Lord loves you, church. God wants us to conform. To conform. To conform. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we... Thank you for this day, Father. We just thank you for your wonderful spirit. Father, I know we probably don't do it enough, Father. We probably don't praise you enough. We probably don't even worship you enough. We probably don't even, I know we don't pray enough, Father. But still, you haven't removed your spirit from us. You still have given us the way to know your truth, to know your love, to know your forgiveness, to know your grace, to know your mercy, Father. So, Father, I just say thank you for being patient with us. That you wish that none of us should perish, but all of us come to repentance, Father. You are a good, good God. You are a great God and a good Father. God, I ask that that your spirit just reveal your truth to us. That we may reveal it to others. That we don't let the devil win by keeping our mouths closed. That in everything that we say and we do, we glorify our Lord Jesus Christ. That is our Savior. We declare that we are people of the spirit. 
Holy Spirit, hold us accountable to that calling. Hold us accountable. Allow us to walk in the ways of you, no matter what come our way. No matter the hatred of others, no matter the, the, the intentions of those who don't even want to know Christ. But we must encounter. Allow us to continue to live according to the Spirit. To live in truth. To glorify you, God. God, and I confess that it's not easy. It may be even hard. But God, we know that you require sacrifice. And we know that we are never alone. So God, I just ask that you help us. You help us on this journey, God. Continue us in strength, God. Continue us in purpose, God. By your means only that we are sanctified in the spirit to make right with you, to make holy and blameless in you, in your sight, God. Father, thank you for these hearts, Father, these lives, their families, God. Thank you for opening and receiving their hearts and their ears to your word, God. Guard them and their families as they enter into this world, as they live their lives, God. Bless each of them, God, because they are here for you, God. They are here because they desire to be children of your kingdom. Allow us to conform to your ways, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.